This show is produced by Sharebird, the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders at the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Check out sharebird.com. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That is Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live and allow them to contribute insights directly from the field. It's competitive strategy as a key lever of revenue. Elevate your role and outmaneuver, outplay, and outmatch the competition with Clue. Welcome back to season four of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Today, I am really excited for this conversation with Vishal Naik. Vishal is the product marketing lead at none other than Google. Welcome to the podcast, Vishal. Uh, everyone's journey to product marketing is a little bit different. And I like to start with this question because it's really interesting just to hear everybody's path into product marketing. And so can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into product marketing? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for first. Thanks for having me. And second, uh, just getting into the answer. So I started in marketing in general in college because I, like most undergrad kids, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and a friend of mine worked in the athletic department at my school and she needed interns. And so that was my path into marketing. I, I So that's how I decided to be a, a marketer and not a lawyer. From there, it's just like, what is the first job that I'm going to get? Like, who will hire this kid who doesn't know how to interview and like barely uh, is out of school. Someone eventually did. And um, so how I actually got into product marketing was um, there was a company called PC Mall is a computer reseller. So they focused on IT sales and partnered with a lot of the big tech manufacturers. So HP, Apple, Adobe, um, Microsoft, all of those companies. And so I eventually got a job there. And while the role itself wasn't called product marketing, how we managed our day-to-day really was the same essence of what product marketing is. So my like product marketing background is learning to be a product marketer without having any of the structure or tooling or definitions of what a PMM role is today and sort of like organically figuring that stuff out at that company. And I spent about nine years there. So I was there for a while. And then I moved into into the software industry, um, did a couple of startups, moved up to the Bay, worked at a company called Trinet, which is a HR SaaS company. Came over to Google, uh, went to DocuSign, and now back at Google. And in my current role, my focus is on how Assistant works with other apps, both first party and third. So if you think about, you know, where is Google Assistant going to show up with Netflix or with Spotify or with uh, Gmail or Google Keep or Maps or any of those products. And so that's that's uh, currently my my path. Uh, if I were to summarize the last, like, I don't know, 15 years in like three minutes, that's, that's kind of it. <laughs> that's incredible. And I, I certainly had similar aspirations to get into marketing right out of college. Unfortunately, for, for me, it didn't happen right away. I, I was first in customer support, but learned many of the fundamentals you know, through that journey and, and uh, you know, found my way into product marketing uh, yeah. as well. Can, can you walk through, I, you know, I, I think 
I'm certainly curious, but but I think the audience certainly would be curious as well. Like, what does private parking look like as kind of the the lead for Google Assistant? And you know, like, kind of what does your day look like? Yeah, um, a lot of meetings. Not uh, uncommon <laughs> for anyone in product marketing, though. I think the the biggest thing with with a company like Google is. Um, there's a lot of priorities across the org. And so, you know, if there's a product or a feature that I'm working on that ties in with search and that ties in with the Android, like these, these are very large organizations within the company and decisions are made at a very high level. Well, actually across many levels, but some decisions have to go up to a very high level across a lot of different large business units. And so I feel like there's a lot of really, you know, trying to understand those teams their decisions, their processes, their target personas, what their goals are, and then ultimately how do we sort of create a blended strategy across. And so it's a, it's really um, the PMM role at Google really does sort of amplify the uh, cross-functional nature of product marketing. But I think that's like the big, the, the main difference. I think at the end of the day, there's um, there are teams at Google that manage product marketing very much as a sort of upstream area where you're sort of influencing product and you're doing a lot of research and you're creating a lot of narratives and focused on strategy. And so like our team tends to look at product marketing is how are we shaping products? How are we launching products? And then how are we growing products? Other teams at Google do tend to operate a little bit more in a downstream capacity where product and eng and to an extent, like the voice of the customers coming from UX, those teams are sort of making the product decisions and marketing is, is sort of the amplification. Uh, and so I think it, it very much varies across the org. Um, when I was on the Google Workspace team, our team was very uh, upstream. When I'm on the assistant team, it is as well, but that's not the case across all teams. And so I think it's, it's, it's not uncommon from any other sort of business, right? Product marketing as a role, different in every company I've worked at different in every team here at Google, um, a lot of cross-functional work, very much similar to you know, what you would expect. I think the biggest sort of difference that I see at Google is that the product marketing role is really less defined around launches and managing a bill of materials and really more around you own a space and you work with a bunch of different people and how are you going to um, make sure that your product is represented in the best way forward. And so I think that's what's really fun about the role here to me. It's very similar to that role at PC Mall that I was talking about, which was like, hey, like, so I spend a lot of time on the HP account. How am I making sure that we're selling a lot of HP computers and, you know, HP versus Lenovo, HP versus Apple, and like really owning like HP's business. It's the same here at Google. Like I really need to own how Assistant is working with this app and then redefine and question what are the types of metrics that we need to look for? What is really you know product health going to look like? And it's less around, here's a product, here's a launch, like let's go through the motion, let's launch that product, let's get it out in market and let's move on to the next. Like that sort of motion, it's still important, but it's not the P0 of the role. And I think that's what ultimately what I like about it is there's, there's that balance. I love that. I mean, to your point, every company, every leader even views product marketing maybe a little bit differently. You you emphasize some of the cross-functional nature, which I think is really, really interesting. Uh, and I'd love to dive into that a little bit more. I mean, Google's obviously a, a pretty big company. So curious how that 
cross-functional nature works? Are there built-in connection points between your teams? And how have you maybe like built and developed even that relationship with the the product folks that you you work with on a day in a day out basis? Yeah, I think there are um, there are not built-in connection mechanisms. I feel like the company is so big. And, you know, we're very, you know, OKR driven and everything is coming from like a path of I'm doing a thing that ties into this goal, which is to say that if you don't show up every day, like the motion is happening without you. And so, you know, if you're not adding value to your cross-functional stakeholders, like there is no need for them to, to keep you in the loop. And so it's not to say that it's like a hard environment it's it's actually really not it's just to say that you know you really have to bring your best self every day and and so in terms of maintaining those relationships i think it it really to me depends on each each scenario so like when i was on the workspace team i didn't have a recurring meeting with my product manager it's just over the time that we worked together built up a strong enough like relationship with each other where we felt like as things happened we would bring in the other person so there was no need for a standard recurring meeting because you know as he would do things he would check in with me as i would do things i would check in with him and we would just kind of have this like very you know close relationship that was based off of the tasks that we needed to do at a certain time on my team with the assistant, I do have a bi-weekly with the product teams because one, there are like multiple leads. So it's the director and her two leads. And we, um, and I have like some of the, the rest of the people on, you know, sort of my pod within marketing. Um, so my manager and, and one of my peers are also in that meeting. And so because there's a various amount of topics and there's a lot of different things to talk about. And so we do need that recurring meeting so that we can sort of check in. And like, for example, right now I'm running some research and I can sort of have that mechanism to easily have that conversation with them. And so it kind of depends on, on the relationship or on the, the specific situation. But yeah, I, I feel like it, it's, it's a matter of, you know, really understanding the person to person aspect of what is needed to make a strong working relationship with that PM. And you need to own that and cultivate that. If you don't, and if you kind of like sit back and sit on the sidelines, like it's a big company, the ship's moving without you. <laughs> for, for sure. And I, I think that relationship of, you know, bringing your best self and adding value, I would say even as well, is positive and, and, and not negative. I, I mean, I guess it could be construed as negative, but but in reality, for product marketers who are adding a ton of value and who have expertise, deep expertise in the market, the customer, and and the use cases, I, I would assume there's there's a ton of value you can, you can add to that conversation. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that's where, um, you know, getting back to like the topic on influencing roadmap, like really shows up because as you are actively thinking or as if I look at myself as I'm actively thinking about like my product set, my customer base and, you know, specific segments that we need to go after and, you know, asking X questions that enables me to go to those meetings with product managers to bring something insightful and bring some sort of look into the product that they might have maybe overlooked, maybe not have thought about, maybe are thinking about, but not prioritizing much and let us have that conversation. And so I view it as very much positive. It's one of those areas where it's like, you know, if you, if you think of like the classic iceberg image, like 
influencing roadmap, like that tip of the iceberg, but like the day-to-day is that like bulk under the scenes that you don't see. And like by focusing on all that and doing all of that work, then I can have that conversation. And whether the roadmap is influenced or not, like that's fine. Like it's what's in the best interest of the product, not me influencing it. But, you know, doing that, that work that's behind the scenes is what enables you know, the relationships to be strong and, you know, that, that sort of influence and, and strong relationship to take place. For sure. And a lot of times I've, I've heard the advice, it's been said on this podcast numerous times. I've certainly said it myself from time to time around, you know, quote unquote, bringing the voice of the customer to the table as, as a product marketer, right? A lot of times that, that's talked about as like, that's the value we bring into that cross-functional nature, or at least one piece of the value that we bring into that cross-functional nature. I'd love to get your take on like what that means, not just to you, but what that means at Google as well. Yeah. So I would say like two, two parts of that answer. So I, I think like in terms of the value in the, the cross-functional relationship, I think it's, it's part bringing, I mean, if we do center it on voice of the customer, I think it's like, what is that customer going to think about? And so if I separate, like my current role today is, you know, assistant is a consumer product. And so that's, that's sort of one area where it's a little bit easier because like I have Google home devices and I use assistant and I've used Alexa and I don't use Siri as much though I do, I am an iPhone user. So I, I can relate to what a user is going through and I can think about it in, okay, how would I do this? Now, obviously sample size of one, so we're not going to make decisions based on what I would do. But I think that's where, you know, really thinking about every sort of conversation that we have around like, does this make sense? And so if I'm thinking about my current role and like integrations and how assistant is showing up for a user, you know, Android has a lot of devices. And so there's phones, there's watches, there's tablets, you know, there's Android auto and like really thinking about like, is this enough for me to use this product myself as a user. And if I think the answer is no, then that triggers like, should I do some research? Um, do I look at some analyst report? Do I talk with a partner? Do I talk with a you know developer? How do we really figure this out? And then take that package of information back to product. I think that's one, one area to add value. In, in going to, um, in back when I was in like B2B products, there's a little bit more on competition and a little bit more on, you know, Gartner reports and analysts. And so really thinking about, you know, the 360 point of view of what a customer is going to do, because I tend to look at it as really anchoring on the B2B context, because I've talked to some startups, like when I was interviewing, they're like, we don't have a competitor. I'm like, that's not true. Whatever you're going to sell some other company is trying to get that same budget. It's not going to be a one-to-one solution with what you do, but someone else is trying to get that, that money. And, you know, that company, that buyer doesn't have the money to spend on everything. They're going to take like that set of dollars and say like that priority is important enough that I'm going to invest there and then not do something else. And so I think like really thinking about it from that perspective is that, you know, there's a finite amount of customer usage time or, you know, business buyer dollars, someone else is fighting for that. And so how do I really bring that sort of view into that conversation with product? And then what does that mean to have a holistic view on that? That's not just influenced by my own opinions. And so that 
ties in with the research that we would do with the, you know, analyst conversations with the feeling a pulse of the press and, and reading through press releases and seeing what makes the news and all that and like really bringing that to the product relationship. So I think that that's sort of what I, I think it means is like really thinking about all of the various aspects, pinning in on that customer and like what might they do in that moment. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. And I would love your take on like, how do you package that together? I, I had somebody, another PLM messaged me on LinkedIn just the other day. And uh, she said, you know, how do I ensure I don't wind up as the quote unquote concierge or, or like the middleman essentially, right? Where like, I just take a stat or a bit of research and, you know, pass it on to the person who who needs it, whether that's product or sales or leadership or whomever, you know, and, and I think that's kind of directly relevant here too. I've certainly felt like the middleman at points, but but I think there's so many ways that we can add unique value and curious on your take on how you kind of package that together and what the feedback loop is like. Yeah, I think like, so my manager here currently, like he tends to, and he said this to me multiple times, like, you know, you tend to, as product marketers, have a really good vantage point and there's always something that someone else might not be seeing. And so in my role specifically, like I tend to work with different product groups within Google a little bit more than um, some of the rest of, of Assistant, um, just because like my role ties in with a handful of other teams, like Fitbit's in its own, in a different business unit, and like Maps is in a different one. And so we're able to then bring in like, what is that team thinking about? And so in terms of being the concierge, I think the difference is, am I taking a stat and passing it to a product manager? Or am I taking a stat and then adding my point of view as to why is this important and then taking it to a product manager? And so like, I'm currently doing a research loop right now. There's some messaging that's going on, messaging research that we're working on right now. We have insights coming back from our research agency. They're doing their analysis on it. But to then say, okay, how do I overlay what I know currently about our product strategy and what I think might be interesting so I can then summarize and say to the product manager in a way that like, this is why this is important to you. I think that is the difference between, you know, just connecting the dots and really adding value is because, you know, as a product marketer, you do really have a strong vantage point. You're talking to a sales team, you're talking to a product team, you're talking to customers, you're doing research, you're talking to other marketers, you know, what is, you know, working with social, what's working in, in webinars, what's working with the, with the sales team. You can then take all that to add your point of view and add your perspective and just really play on the fact that you as a product marketer and being a cross-functional person have a vantage point that most other teams don't have. And I think that's where you sort of, that's the nuance in my opinion, between just like facilitating and really adding value. Completely agree. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And I think that's where we as, as not just product marketers, but product marketing leaders as well can like sharpen our POV is right as well. Right. Like with, understanding that cross-functional nature, understanding the market input, and not just facilitating, but providing that, that feedback loop to not just product, but you know other groups as, as well. Uh, you talked a little bit about influencing the roadmap, and I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into that. It's an interesting topic. You know, As you talk to numerous business leaders or, or talk to multiple product marketing leaders, it seems to be involved in some team's kind of role and responsibility, but, but not others. There was a guest this season who uh, has the POV that product marketing shouldn't necessarily influence the, the roadmap because product marketing is already spread thin and it allows product marketing to focus on, on a lot of other key activities. 
curious on your take on broadly influencer growth through a map and what role product marketing uh, should have in that. I, I think from a broad standpoint, my take is like, I, I don't, it doesn't matter a ton to me whether or not I influence the roadmap. Like that's a little personal, but I think that the main thing is what matters to me is, is my company doing the best for our customers with this product? And if the answer is yes, or to the best of my knowledge, yes, like, right, like we don't know everything, then whether or not I influence or product marketing influences roadmap is like, it's negligible. Um, and so I think that's that's sort of my take is like, if we really think that something is going well, then we don't, we don't need to change it. But if there's something that there's like, hey, based off of my vantage point, I really see a gap that maybe someone else is overlooking, then it's not in the company's best interest for me to sit on the sidelines because I'm already spread thin. So I feel like that's sort of the balance. It's like, from the customer point of view, is the product and is the company doing what is best for them? And is there something that I can add to that conversation? And if the answer is no to the first and yes to the second, then it's my responsibility to influence the roadmap. And if the answer is yes and no, then then I don't need to do anything. Um, and so I think like that's that's my take is like, yes, we're spread thin. But as you think about, as, as I think about prioritization and like what are my P0s versus P2s, I think it's it really goes into, is it, right for the user and i think it's it's okay to not launch something or to push something out or to do a very slight bill of materials or to not do some research if there's something else that needs to be done and so i think that's that's the balance and sort of start of looking at i think i mentioned like our team you know tends to look at product marketing as like shaping products launching products growing products there are moments where I will need to spend 100% of my time in growing products. And that is not anything in terms of influencing roadmap. But there are other times where, you know, the product isn't going to grow. It's not going to be adopted. The launch will fail because it hasn't been shaped properly. And I have a point of view on roadmap or on messaging or on user insights or on our segmentation that needs to be factored in. I think like it's really about the health of the product, in my opinion. And that would actually make for a really good two by two matrix of, of you know, time time spent or, or or maybe how to evaluate the time you should spend potentially influencing the roadmap uh, at various times. A lot of listeners to, to to this podcast reach out to me and are like, "Hey, I'd love an example of how X worked well or or how did you Y." And, and so, influencing the roadmap is talked about a fair amount in the broader product marketing community. Curious if you have an example where maybe you've done it successfully or, or at least tried to do it and, and kind of what the outcome looked like? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, the one that, that comes to mind is, is my last company. So I was at DocuSign for a year and a half. Um, I, I led our developer marketing function there. And so DocuSign, what's interesting is um, a fair amount, about half of all of the envelope transaction volume takes place via API. And so meaning that, you know, customers are doing some sort of customization, um, partners are integrating, um, a lot of the bulk is coming from uh, a developer-based product. And so that's like, if you think of, I think one example that we use is like T-Mobile uses DocuSign on the tablets when you check out in a in a retail store. So when you go buy your phone, like you're actually using DocuSign to check out though, because 
of the developer product, you're not really seeing that. It looks like a T-Mobile app. It looks like a normal form, like, which is perfectly fine. Like there's no, there's no cost to that. Like it's, it's a good thing. It's a good T-Mobile experience. It's, it's paying DocuSign. So it's like, it's all, it's all great. But all of that is really done at an enterprise developer level. Now, coming from my previous role where I was focused on developer work at Google on the workspace team, there's a big focus that we had there on no code and low code, which is like app script, app sheet, some of these like no code, low code products on the workspace team. And so coming in, I had this point of view from my last role that, hey, there's this big trend in no code, low code. And DocuSign has a huge developer business that is all coming from enterprise. Like, how is there an opportunity to create this world where it's not like their software product isn't all top-down executed and planned at an organization, but that an individual team, like say a marketing team versus a field team versus a legal team can create slight modifications. And so what that ultimately led to is like, I came in with a personal bias. We were doing some messaging research. We put out into that messaging research, like, is this an area that is of interest to you? And so what really came out of that was the developers that use DocuSign were really excited about the fact that they could create a way for their employees to make customizations that are safe and secure. And so like a a low-code tool would have given DocuSign's customers the ability to do something like sort of get the best of this like bottom up go to market where like an individual team can customize, but do so within guardrails. And so like that sort of freeing up IT's time was really valuable. And so that sort of validated that personal bias that came in with. And then that led to how are we having conversations with the right teams up to the CTO of the company? And then ultimately, how do we then sort of spread that out and build? And so over the year and a half that I was there, and I'm not trying to say that there's like a a one time came in, did one research study, like change happened, but over gradual conversations and different integrations and seeing various things from different teams that picked up, we did end up making, you know, a lot more focus in, in, you know, 12 months into my tenure there where um, some of our positioning, like if we look at the the keynote for DocuSense developer conference when I was there, it was really focused on, um, there's a big component in that keynote on no code, low code. And so it was really about changing the positioning, really establishing that there's a problem, um, that there's an opportunity that we're missing and that it's it's desirable to our customer base. And how are we really driving that through? But that came and that started from personal opinion that then was validated and then look at the internal offerings as to how can we spread this information out? How can we get it to the right people? And how can we showcase little things like hey, our PR team will be excited about this because Gartner is really excited about this. And so if we can make sure that like that creates a press moment, that's a thing that will win off this one stakeholder. Our product team's excited about it because it will drive a lot of usage. Our sales team's excited about it because it'll allow their customer to do more without like do more in terms of transaction volume without them doing more in terms of work. And so how do we really sort of find what each different team needs to know? And that's all starting from somewhere. So that was a really long answer. I hope your editors can cut that one down. But um, that's sort of like the process in which which that worked at, at that company. That's awesome. That's that's really helpful. And and it's good to see it come to life because I, I think when we talk about how not just that research, but you know, influencing the broader product direction, 
comes to life, it's not just a single point, or generally speaking, it doesn't tend to just be a single point where you, you know, see, see that success that come, comes to life in numerous aspects of the journey. So that's really good to hear. One question I, lo- I love to ask a lot of guests is, you know, has there been a piece of advice that maybe a mentor has given you or that you've just learned throughout your product marketing career that has served you well throughout your career? You know, as, as a, a longtime product marketer, curious on, on you know, any, any advice you'd give the listeners uh, that are listening to this on influencing the roadmap or thinking about a great relationship with uh, PMs? Yeah, I think one, one thing that's sort of stuck with me is that a previous manager at an old company this is in a completely different context, but he tended to think of things as like, look, if you can find the business reason behind doing something, then we can probably do it. And so this in that context was a little bit more around like, you know, if you're really personally into golf, like we could, if we find the right reason and can create the business justification to do a golf tournament, then we can do that. And so I think like, that sort of thought process, which is if you have an idea of your own, if you can find the business reason to do it, then it can be done. And I think that sort of created a thought process in me of like, okay, whatever I want to do, what is the defensible reason for the organization that we should do it? And so it's not necessarily like, it doesn't manifest into fun stuff. It's not like, oh, I can convince Google to take me to Hawaii. Like that's not going to happen. But it is to say, like, if I can really think about, we need to do this, like we need to get plugged in with this other app, or we need to get plugged in on that other device, or we need to get plugged in in that other country. I do have the ability and the power to figure out the reasoning, find out the, like do the work create the business logic and convince someone to do it like that is possible. I think that would, that would probably be, you know, the biggest sort of advice given is that like you can shape things if you think through the reason as to why it impacts the business. And granted for me, like the learning experience on that was a little bit more fun centered, but you know, I think that the, the lessons have, have played out well in the long term. That's amazing. And, and, and maybe someday I can create that business case to, to get to Hawaii. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me, Vishal. It's been a really fun conversation and I've personally learned a lot and our listeners, uh, I'm sure will, will as well. Any, any place that you want to direct folks to follow your work or, or get in touch or, or just read, read about anything you're, you're writing? I want to get better on that stuff. I like, I have this like personal goal of, of having like a product marketing blog that I make this year, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, but I've done a couple of, of AMAs on Sharebird. First, thanks for having me here on the podcast. Um, but, you know, just reach out directly. I, you know, I think the big thing for me is, um, you know, I want to be the help that I wish that I had when I was younger in my career. And so if anyone has any questions, um, just want to chat, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Happy to help as much as I can. And, uh, you know, the answer is always no if you don't ask. So feel free to ask and I will do my best to get back to you. But yeah, just direct, direct reach out would be great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Vishal, for being on the podcast with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This show is produced by Sharebird, the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders at the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Check out Sharebird.com.